0: So welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast and I cannot wait for you to take your invitation to be bold in your business too. Hello everyone. Well this is going to be different because usually you just have me on the old poddy these days but you are joined with a special guest today and this hopefully is going to be an episode you can come back to and listen and use as a resource. So this isn't like a podcast where we're going to just be chatting. This is a podcast where you can then come back and actually use this to help you move your business forward, to help you identify and actually get something from this whenever you need it. So by the end of this, maximum half an hour, you can save this, come back to it. Um, And also for the guest, it's a really great way for you to one, be served by them, but also actually identify what it is you need rather than just find out more about us as people, which you can do by stalking us on the internet. So the first thing we need to do is introduce
1: them. So hello, secret special guest. Hello. Hello, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I will give myself a quick introduction. I am Stephanie White. I love to say Stephanie White, no sugar, just because it sounds really cool. Uh, Most commonly known as the highly caffeinated CEO of By The Way Creative, which is a copywriting agency. I love it. Okay, so this is what we're talking about, people. We've got five key things and I've
0: actually written a list, which, you know, I love so that you get the best from this so I've worked with Steph we've spent a lot of time together so I know all of this from spending time with her and in her brain and having her support but for some of you these will be things that you come up against and I know that as being clients of mine but Steph will definitely have this if you know from a copy perspective so the five things that we're going to try and cover during our time together today are when you struggle with names of your programs Mm -hmm. so We're going to get Steph to really sort of give you a very simple way of thinking about how to look at the names of your programmes so that you don't end up with names that mean nothing um, and it becomes overcomplicated. Then we're going to look at the different types of copy so that you can really understand what copy truly is rather than just see it as a sense of writing. Then this is Steph's golden nugget. We're going to do a little bit on the difference between content versus copy. So the majority of you, well, 99% of you will be using social media, but we need to really look at what the difference is between just writing and creating content versus having copy. Then number four is why would you have different types of copies? You might be listening to this thinking, oh, you know, I have a copywriter for my sales pages and that's great. But there are so many other forms of copy that Steph can talk about. So why would you have different forms of copy? And then the final one is just going to be any quick tips. So anything that Steph wants to share with you, we haven't spoken about. But like I said, the whole point of this episode is for both of us to just pour into you and have some simple strategic facts. You can then go and stalk Steph and do all that stuff afterwards, but you're not then just in this same situation every time you have a new program, every time you want to launch something, every time you want to write something on the internet. This is to try and prevent that. And of course, there wouldn't have been anyone else who would have had this conversation with apart from Steph. So let's dig in then. Let's do it your I first of all your programs and your branding is amazing like the cohesion between it and like you just thank said you. Like the caffeination coffee like the barista vibes love that thank you very much obviously what yeah. would you say let's just dive straight in because I know you have this problem I have this problem with names like how mm-hmm. do make it sound good but also not just make it sound fluffy and no one has an idea of what the f it is So how how do people, how can people create names of programs that are
1: original, Mm -hmm. linked to their brand, but also do what it says on the tin? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's such a great question. And it's one I get all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Um, So the overarching thing to start off with is pick a theme. So pick a theme and stick with it. What we try and do sometimes is have the type of program or the name of program first and then try and develop that into a theme. That's really, really hard to do. You're starting with the smallest piece and trying to make it bigger. It doesn't work that way around. So pick something large, a theme, an overarching thing. People overcomplicate this massively. It can be cocktails. It can be countries. It could be something in your life that you could talk about at length with a friend. So start with that. I call it a motif. Um, that's from film studies. So you might know, um, like in The Godfather, every time there is the symbol of oranges, somebody uh, gets murdered. Like that's the theme. That's the motif. So a recurring thing that you can become known for. I picked coffee purely because it rhymes with coffee. So start with that. It could literally be a colour, a chocolate. I don't even care. A dessert, whatever. Then, as you said, Sam, it's really easy for people to get so bogged down in this that the type of service offering or program gets lost in the process of naming it. Mm. So that's the next place you want to go to. What is the container? And choose your container word, as I call it. So is it short? Is it a boot camp? Is it a challenge? Is it longer? Is it an accelerator? Is it an intensive? Is it a mastermind? Is it, a you know, sometimes people just use container. Totally fine start with that. Now you can go back to your theme and start thinking about adjectives that would pair really nicely with your container word. To match those up, you can use alliteration, rhythm, or rhyme. Alliteration is the easiest. If you've gone for mastermind, you choose an adjective beginning with M or a result that begins with M, you know, like marketing, mastermind, or whatever. Mm. Easy PC. Rhythm would be like my signature course is called wake up and smell the Copy." So rhythm is, that's just a phrase that already exists, it has that. a rhythmic, yeah, people know it, everyone knows it. Um, you tend to trip over saying it too, wake up and smell the coffee, accidentally comes out. That's rhythm. Or then obviously rhyme. If your container word is accelerator, do you have a word that can end in uh so that you have the rhyme? That's the easiest way of doing it in those three steps. That's so
0: good though, because you're right in the sense of, I think a lot of people End up with names of programs that don't actually align with their business because Mm -hmm. they just try and make them really jazzy. That you end up with all of these different names, but they don't fall under any type of umbrella.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or people get really attached to one word, Mm. like, I don't know, let's think of any reclaim. So, reclaim is the word. And then they try really, really hard to make the name work for that word. Mm-hmm. And it ends up not making any sense because they've got to attach this specific word. You can still involve that as a huge element of the program or the service that you're offering. But the name's got to make sense in the first place for somebody to even sign up for it. Mm. That's so true. And even if I think about the development of of my
0: names, you know, to, I always think it's good to give people examples. So you've got wake up and smell the copy. Um, You've you've got so I freaking love it like the latte like it's so good I you know um and I think that there's such a cohesive theme between what you do and that's a really good example but those have Mm -hmm. also developed over time because now you've got got a membership
1: yeah copybiz baristas
0: yeah so that that that's new in the sense of that didn't exist so people but it's very easy to create an evolution once you've got this motif. And the idea of the container, because you know how you can develop it. Whereas if you've got all these standalone names, let's say you've got something about reclaim, then you've got something about ignite, then you've got something about
1: refuel. You Essentially, it's they're all separate entities, aren't they? Yes, 100%. Whereas if you just stuck with ignite, okay, so earlier in the journey, you could have sparks. Yeah. Then you've got igniters and then you've got um, inflamers or, you know, whatever, like you can keep building it. Yeah within the same theme mm,
0: yeah that's so good and even and so that's also really nice for people to have the permission to see how it can grow you mm. know like when name, names expand so I remember 2020 my programs were the 5k females the six figure sisters and the next level mastermind so yeah. there's alliteration in there but they all kind of had a similar um vibe yeah and, and rhythm all got, yeah. all have rhythm Yeah, rhythm. Whereas this then going into 21, no, 21 that was, then going into 22 and now into 23, the shift is more in the less around the result and more about the experience.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. The names have now gone from what the result would be. Let's say the 5K females or six big sisters to the experience. So now there's the shift. So there's a membership and it's like, it's all about shifting you from one place to the other. Or the expansion, the mastermind. So it's like,
1: so essentially... That's bigger this, than a shift. You got a little, yeah. a little shift, a big expansion and it grows.
0: Yeah. So essentially it's they're the same things. Obviously they've been revamped and all of those things, but the energy behind it is slightly different. So when, once people follow this, this theme and that at least they've got this structure, which is so good... It will then give people the opportunity to develop that organically without making it this overwhelming. How they don't need to go back to the bit beginning, you know, like, for example, even with you, when you develop your programs, right? What do we want to keep? What do we not want to use? What words fit better? So it becomes more of a refinement rather than every time starting
1: again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It makes the whole process easier from the naming to the creating the taglines, to the writing the sales copy, to showing up and talking on stories because you've created a framework for yourself. Yeah. Instead of having the choice of every word on the planet, you've yeah. now put yourself into a category, which as we know, if we have a million choices, we struggle. If you only have two, you can pre- make a choice pretty clearly and quickly. So yeah. it's exactly the same process of just slimming your brain down into a smaller bracket, become known for these specific things, but also make your life easier. Yeah, love that. Okay, so that's good in terms of names. So now you've all got a system Think, think of an
0: overarching theme, then think about the container or the experience you're creating, and then create two words that you can put together and mm-hmm. see how you could then maybe even build a brand around it. So if someone's listening to this and they're starting with just their first one-to-one program, already top tip from you would probably be think about what other names you could have if you wanted to start a membership or you wanted to start a podcast or you wanted to start mm-hmm. a YouTube channel. So and if you're thinking of someone that's already got a one-to-one and a membership and a mastermind, then it could
1: be how do you create a cohesive message that goes with those names? Yeah, 100%. How do you make them tie into each other? And the crucial thing being, obviously, if you have a membership, a group program and a mastermind, those are tiered. So a membership level person is at a certain level up to the group program, up to the mastermind. The wording you use needs to grow with it. Mm, yeah, I love that. Okay, perfect. Right, so that's good. First hurdle
0: jumped right so this is going to be a juicy one and I love this because this is definitely something that I I love English and I've always had a passion for language so it's if so as a client to you but also from for my business I like this stuff but for some people this is really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and they're like I don't know what to say I don't know how to say it I don't know how to not waffle. I don't know how to get to the point. I don't know how to sell. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing with this because I've never done this before. What would be really good is to just break down for us the different types of copy that someone could have. So you might not have all of them or you might mm-hmm. think you have them all. But the diff- the main types of reasons that you would use copy in your business
1: yeah, for sure. And as you say, you might not have all of these to start off with, but you'll you'll build on them. So pretty much everybody has a website. So you're going to start off with things like your website copy, homepage, about page, services page or sales pages. Sales pages then focus on like individual programs, individual offers or services and attach those. You might have sales email sequences. Sales email sequences lead somebody to the sales page, which is on your website, which encourages them to purchase. Um, On top of that, you've then obviously got things to do with social media or to do with how you show up in different places that have a more temporary format. So Instagram captions, Facebook captions, which can be repurposed for Facebook groups, any of your bios that describe you, and then longer form stuff, blog posts, LinkedIn articles, anything like that. So those have a more temporary nature, but you still have your stuff that can be kind of evergreen in your business, like website, sales page, sales email sequences, In the bracket of like temporary stuff, I'd also put like newsletters. Mm. There's a difference between a newsletter and a sales email. Your newsletter is your regular weekly, monthly, whatever content that goes out. So even that is just scratching the surface of the amount of copy that you could have in your business. But those are kind of the staples that everybody works up to at a certain point. Yeah, which is and that's good. Start with the staples. But also what would be
0: or why couldn't you? Well, I mean, you can do what you want, but I mean, why would we not necessarily advise that someone writes or creates copy in the same way for mm. all of those? For example, let's say you've got a website and you have had copy done, the person then just copy and paste different sections of that as a caption on their Instagram to sell a program or they take a couple of one-liners and turn that into a graphic or a quote. What? Why would you say it's not good to then just have one type of copy that you then just blast all over these different platforms
1: yeah this is such a good question so okay put it this way your website is assuming someone doesn't know you that is what all that is what we should be assuming about our websites is that no this person has not met me before this is day dot first interaction imagine if you wrote every single piece of copy in your business like this person had never met you before. Someone who has met you before is gonna get very bored very quickly, constantly hearing your reintroduction or constantly hearing you like giving so much context to everything that you say, it's too much. Put the shoe on the other foot. Sales emails that are for someone that's opted into a sequence are assuming a level of knowledge of that person that they have consented to be in your world because they like your world, i.e. they know something about it. If you spoke only in that way, Across your entire business, assuming a level of knowledge about you, assuming that this person knows who you are and what you stand for and what you do, you're going to lose people because they're like, sorry, she's selling me something. I have literally no idea who this person is. That's the best way I can describe it. You need the two because people aren't finding you at the same point in their journey. They're not finding you on the same platform every time. And they're not always consenting to wanting to be sold to. So we use different types of copy in different areas of our business to assure we're meeting the person at where they are in the buyer's journey. Website can have that background knowledge, can have that context, can have the about you. It can be so much more detailed and foundational versus something you're going to send out as email five or six in a 10 email sequence. That person knows who you are. That's when you're turning on the sales psychology and the sales copy because they already believe and trust in the brand. They don't need the background. So that's how I'd kind of describe it is why you need to do it differently. You can't just keep repurposing the same stuff. Yeah, that's such a good point. And actually
0: what the the the, the real undertone to that is, a lot of people that don't enjoy copy want to make it easy for themselves, which I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't all love every part of our business and you want to keep it easy. But in making it easy for yourself, you're actually making it harder for the recipient. Yes. So you've made it easier to just blast the copy and chuck little sentences here and there and chunk it down and repurpose and all of those things. So it's easier for you as the business, the brand, but it's not actually easier for the person that wants to get to know you, connect with you, learn about you. So yeah, that I think that's a great way of looking at this as a how can they differentiate? If you mm-hmm. if you're using copy that is on another platform, let's say from a newsletter that you want to turn into a sales email really asking the question, are you doing this because it's easier for you or are you doing this because this is the best way to connect with the recipient?
1: Yes, 100%. Are they getting as much information as you know they need to make that decision in the space that you have given them or are you giving them too much or do you think you might not be giving them enough? You know in your gut. Yeah, that's so true.
0: That's so good and also I think this is really good to highlight because again when from both of us and themes and trends that we'll see with individuals uh, and one thing is that copy can become really overwhelming and you know how do we use language and psychology to connect with our audience and how do we make that happen but ultimately what you what would be a really good first step for someone when you're saying with these different types of content is for them to write down how how it's being received Mm-hmm. So even before you worry about what you're going to write and how you're writing it think about how it's being received so if you think let's say for example sales email they would know you let's say 5 out of 10 newsletter they'd know you like 8 out of 10 so you can then start to, if you have like a, a like a ranking system let's say you mm-hmm. might then add in a few more jokes put in a bit more humor talk about your dog because you talk about it on social media and then your website you might talk about your credentials or testimonials so maybe step one is using what you've just said in terms of different types of copy and then writing out who is the recipient yeah. and then coming back and thinking now, how do I need to write it? So it's best for them.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. And always think, you know, like you gave a great example there of your email list versus your social media following. Anybody can follow you on social media. Mm. So they could be, they could, they could know you, they could not. So you do need to add a bit of context in, whereas someone on your email list you know knows you. So how you would go, you can't just copy and paste a sales email and turn it into a caption. That's not going to work.
0: Um, and yeah.
1: Formatting-wise, it won't work either. It won't look right because um, of how you need to break things down for socials. but yeah, that's a really fantastic way of thinking about it is, is grading it or even giving yourself like um, like a chart that starts with doesn't know me to knows me yeah. and you know move your pieces of copy around because if it's a new program, no one knows it. yeah if it's one to one then you know people can expect what they're gonna what what that's going to be like, but you're not unlikely to sell that to someone who's never met you before. So it can change per program and per offer as well yeah I love
0: that okay that's really good. I'm so loving this I feel like we're really being productive with this conversation. <laughs> I love I, it I love, e- I love efficiency um, okay <laughs> so I'm trying not to laugh I'm uh, recovering from a cough okay so I don't want any coughs <laughs> I know okay so then this is a really good one and I'm glad that you've raised this
1: mm. the difference between content and copy yes so this gets me all the time and i mentioned it kind of a minute ago with sales emails versus newsletters so when someone says to me like oh we want some sales newsletters i'm like okay they're they're different things so we want different things out of this you know out of these two things copy is stuff that has uh, normally a finite uh expiry time or it exists as a core pillar of your business okay so when i say finite expiry time i'm talking about launches okay so that is copy it is used for a very specific purpose within a very specific time frame to a very specific person website copy is the same it's within a specific setting i.e. your website speaking to a very specific person someone at the beginning of their journey that is copy content is the stuff that you use to build your audience okay it's not necessarily selling it's not like filled with sales psychology might have some sales CTAs in the end of it, but it's the stuff you use to nurture and build your audience. So content would be regular Instagram captions when you're not necessarily specifically selling like in a launch, but you're giving value, you're um, sharing your, your values as a business, you're allowing people uh, insight or behind the scenes into who you are. That is content newsletters that you send out every week where you're updating people on what's going on in your world, what you're working on, how they can listen to you, like your podcast, your YouTube, whatever. That is content because you are, again, building the relationship with somebody, building the relationship with somebody. Blog posts, Pinterest stuff, if you do anything like that, all of that is content. You're creating um, the picture for somebody of what your brand is like so they can get to know it, all that know, like, and trust stuff that we talk about. That's content. Versus copy, copy has a very, very specific, detailed goal. Website copy, sales copy, um, sales pages, email sequences, funnels, that's copy. So there's a difference between the two. Some copywriters do both, but you do get a lot of copywriters that specialise in content. So they're like audience building copywriters. They do your blogs, your captions, all that kind of stuff. So there's a difference between the two. And being really clear on which one you know you want either when you're writing it yourself or when you're approaching a copywriter, it's going to make it much easier to angle the wording you're using to the end result. Are you selling? Is it for a very specific purpose? Or are you audience building in general?
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that because I, I was reflecting again, if we were to make this really practical for people, I love writing content mm-hmm. and creating the content. I lo- I love writing. I love creating dialogue. But I I don't enjoy the scientific marketing psychology side of the copy yes. and the process behind it. So it made it very easy, though, when we first met and you said, OK, I need to learn about the way that you would say things, what words you would use, what you wouldn't use. I then and this would be a top tip if you are someone that wants to start delegating. I know exactly how I talk and what I would say and wouldn't say. So I can then say to you, I would never use this word. I don't talk like this. This would never come out of my mouth. So then from a copy perspective, it still is me. But the framework and the technical side, you know, the real formatting and understanding of it isn't my forte. Yeah, it's filtered
1: through the psychology.
0: Yeah. So it would be good for someone. Let's say if it right now. If someone's thinking I need a copywriter because I hate creating captions on social media probably a better way for them to start thinking about it then is when you're thinking about your content or your copy, Mm -hmm. which is going to help you connect with your audience better. So then you still have a handle on your business. So that could be a good example. Let's say someone is really good at marketing, or they did a degree in psychology, or they're really good at Um, formatting in emails and they love being able to put things in the right places and all of that they might really enjoy writing copy and doing the technical side but then when it comes to the day-to-day content they might not be as creative or really enjoy that side of their brain and coming up with metaphors so then they would look for someone that's more content community growth based so That's a really good way of dividing the two, actually, because I, I do think people blend the two and, and get them confused. And then they hire someone and they get neither of what they wanted, but they didn't actually know the difference. So they've ended up with a bit of bit of both, but neither, neither really do the job. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, 100% it's not being effective. Like if you're somebody that loves launchers, And you find the energy behind a launch really exciting for you, and you enjoy the sales page and you like doing the emails and even, you know, doing reactive emails mid-launch, and that excites you, then you crack on doing that and get someone to come and support you with your regular content so you can concentrate on the launches. Or maybe you're vice versa. Maybe you're like, hate doing launches, hate writing sales pages, but I love creating communities through the value content that I put out. So you want to continue doing your content. Get someone to support you on those, you know, launches every quarter or whatever it is. Like you can have both as long as you're really clear on, do I want someone to help me make sales? Or do I don't want someone to help me build my audience.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. And I think that's really helpful for everyone listening to just start to also take real empowered decisions for their business. You know, like mm-hmm. if you are looking to delegate and get support, From this conversation, people probably will walk away thinking I'm actually a lot clearer on how I would use copy or need some a copywriter in my business rather than just the assumption of I'm going to hire a copywriter and they're going to do everything for me. They're going to write my newsletter, my blogs, my Instagram, my Facebook, my sales pages, my email sequences, my automation, my opt-in pages, my website. That's like loads.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's what people think, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you could definitely build up to that. Would I recommend you instantly go and get someone to just take (laughs) it all off your plate? Probably not, because that would be really hard. Uh, You certainly can get to a point with a copyright where they know all of that stuff. But like you said, it's about getting really familiar with each other and getting to a point where someone understands how you speak regularly on the day to day. That's going to be much more easy for them to go on and, and, you know, write those really targeted pieces, but it needs to start with one specific thing is is what I would recommend. Pick one thing you don't want to do, get your copywriter really familiar with you through whatever that thing is, a sales page, your regular content, then you can start adding other stuff in with very specific aims.
0: Mm, Yeah, perfect. Okay, we're doing really well here. We've got two more topics, and one's like quick tips. And I actually have a quick tip that I don't want to forget because it's relevant to this. One thing I think that is really useful as you as the client, let's say, so if you are looking to hire a copywriter, it is your responsibility to also make it clear what you want your copywriter to be improving. So I would say what's really important is just because the copywriter is writing, let's say you go down the launch route, first of all, that doesn't mean that your copywriter is responsible for you making sales. Mm -hmm. You have to create a synergy between the two of you. For example, a big thing for me was increasing my open rates on my emails. So it was all about community growth. And then it was, then once we've got the open rates, we've got the engagement, I'd love for people to buy because because of the emails but ultimately they're always going to come to me for the final sale because they want to connect with me because it's a service so it's really important for you if you are listening that delegating from a copy like launches and sales perspective doesn't then mean that the responsibility of the conversion goes down just to the copy you would have to do your bit too like showing up visibility bringing that copy to life making people understand it directing traffic to it there's a lot of moving parts so I thought that's just useful to say on that because otherwise you could yeah. end up in a situation where people again and these conversations don't happen just get confused with whose job is whose
1: yeah for sure for sure there's so many other pieces that go into it even down to like if you have a live event and you sell the majority of the spots off the live event but not didn't sell any from emails that doesn't mean that the copy didn't work because the copy got people on the live event
0: like that's a perfect
1: example of of how it plays out it doesn't always look like the way you think it's gonna look yeah but you the people have to be in the room for the sale to happen and copy gets them in the room you're exactly right because I've had people say to me I read your email and loved it
0: now can I book a call so then technically yes I would then convert them on the call but they've only gone to the call because of the email yes 100% that yeah. So it's just I think that's important. Remember what is your purpose when you're getting copy support, whether it's content and community or sales and launching. Mm. And remember that you still need to do your bit too. Now, delegating doesn't mean dismissing. And it's then oh, I love you love that. I know. I just made that up. I'm like, quick something. fire that one. Get that as a quote, babes. No, I know. I'm just writing that down. um But I think that is important because a lot of the time I'd I speak to people and say, okay, well, what are you doing? Have you had a Have you had a call with a copywriter? Have you had any touching base? Well, no, they haven't asked me for one. And I'm like, well, they won't because it's your business. Like they're delivering the yes. service, you have to take that responsibility to say, I want us to have a meeting. Sorry, that's my needs. <laughs> Right, I'm going to ask a question so that I can mute and uh, sort out this little terror. So the next one is, (laughs) why would you then have these different types of copies? So I know we've spoken about it in 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 detail about like the website and things like that. But from a bigger perspective, what's the long term benefit of having specific curated content for specific places?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's all about like the longevity, basically, of your brand and of your business. So if you've had copy that's specifically curated for a specific type of thing, so or a sales page, a website or whatever, what you're building is the foundations of a brand, so you can go away and tweak things, change things, build on things, etc., if you don't have any of this and every time you get to the point of rebranding or b- bringing out a new program and you don't already have these foundational pieces of copy in place you're having to reinvent the wheel every single time that you need you come you know go through an evolution and come out new we need to have these pillars of copy that exist in our business which is why i talk so much about motifs because it's something you can hang the pillars of your business on we need to have them because it allows us to grow as sam was talking about earlier with the way her programs have changed names the way we speak the way we want to communicate with people that all changes But if we don't have things like website copy sales pages that are written in a certain way first to know how they convert, we don't know what it is that we want to change. So I do see a lot of people that have had loads of success by just selling through social media. And I don't think that's wrong. But if that wasn't an option for you, where else are you able to point people? How else are you able to sell to people? maybe you got to a point where you'd maxed out all of your programs and your audience wasn't growing on social media anymore. And you're like, okay, well now I'm just stuck. I'm like capped at a specific point. If you don't have somewhere else that people can go, if you don't have these other places that people can engage with your brand, you've got no other ways of selling to anybody. Like you couldn't bring out a low ticket offer. You couldn't try and do an event or anything because you've like maxed out the audience that you have. So copy is about creating spaces where people can come and engage with your brand. They can re-engage with your brand when it changes and they can become really, really familiar with you as a human being and then grow with you as well. So that's where you need the different pieces. They point people in different directions at different parts of their journey, but they also familiarize them with you at different parts of your journey too. It's all part of growing as a business owner.
0: Yeah, and you know, that is such a good point because that was me. I'm very good mm. at on socials, but, but had neglected all of the other aspects. Whereas it does take time to diversify your marketing strengths. So then thinking, okay, now I have got an email list that is re-engaged, or yes, I have now got a website that I would proudly send people to, or yes, I have got a sales page that I could then launch once a quarter, or I've got a mini course or whatever it is that you've got, or I've got a membership page. Once Mm -hmm. you've got the copy for that, you can then continue to re-energize and reignite it because you've got that foundational level of robustness. I think that's a really good point. Social media is one one avenue but if you don't have any others it's very difficult to create a
1: a bigger ecosystem for sure and even like on a practical standpoint it's you know we've used coaches as an example here let's say that somebody puts you forward to get quoted in forbes you know or a piece of press that that prs are going straight to the places the foundational places that they can find you a services page, a sales page, an about page, they're going to those places. I have heard of so many missed opportunities where someone's been approached with something and or they're or they're in a crazy rush because they're like, oh my goodness, the Forbes Council have asked to see my website, I don't have one, or it's crap because I've <laughs> it's got like nothing on it because I've never bothered updating it. But you just don't want to be in a position where you mm. feel that rushed and behind it doesn't put you on that elevated CEO pedestal for yourself, like how you feel in your soul. Mm. So having those things. Those, those places, those bases that people can go, PRs can go, et cetera. It's, it's not just about the clients. It's actually also about how you are viewed as a business owner and the opportunities you can open up for yourself as a result. Yeah, 100%, I love that. Okay, so
0: now we're on our final one. Tick that off, love it. And this is more just quick tips. So if there's anything that you would say to someone, so quick tips for for this, I'd love it to be things that in your mind, what are the common trends that we haven't covered that it would be like, try this, stop doing that. Give this a go. Don't do that. That type of thing. Is there any? Yeah, I've got loads. Oh yes. Okay. So
1: many. Okay. Number one, less is more nobody wants to read a 5 a4 page sales page if you are forcing yourself to write that much like it, you're actually like trying really hard to do it it's not it's not working if you can write in a short energetic space enough copy that covers all of the main points and has the sales psychology packed in and it's two pages that's going to be so much more effective don't force yourself to make it longer Um, Same thing goes for Instagram captions when people write like just block text because they've got so much to say. No one's reading that. I hate to tell you, nobody's reading it. Bullet points, headings, brand emojis to separate out paragraphs. One, two, three, four points. Keep it really, really nice and palatable and easy for people to grab onto. That's a huge one. The other one, this is kind of random to try and explain. When you're launching a new program... Don't say on the sales page or in the sales copy, we will da 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 da. Because all you're saying is it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that really bothers me. You're <laughs> you're literally letting everybody know you've not done this program before, mm. which it's fine. You can tell people it's a new program. That's cool. But that passive kind of sentence structure there doesn't inspire somebody with faith in you. Mm. So instead, you will learn how to you will do this or you will receive coaching on x put them at the beginning of it talk about the results that they're going to get not we will go through this Mm. because that's not exciting that's not giving me feels um and the other one is i've got so many but i'll try and control myself (laughs) the other one is if okay people using if so there's ways to use if on a sale. Page and there's ways not to. And again, it's about inspiring confidence in the person that is listening, reading, whatever. Using imagine if statements is really powerful. So I see you, such and such person, and I know you want this. Well, imagine if you could wake up on the beach in Bali every morning having made sales. You could take your family on holiday to wherever. Having those very, very, very specific visualizations for that person on a sales page is really powerful because instantly they understand that you see them. They don't feel like a special case anymore. They feel like somebody gets their problems and completely resonates with them. That's fantastic. What we don't want to do is say, if you want blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, or this this could be for you if. None of that is inspiring. This is for you. Because? Because. If- because this is for intrepid business women that want blah, 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 blah. So we don't want if there. I would almost go as far as to say just give yourself the rule. You can only use if if it's imagine if statements. Other than that, take it out of. Make it more decisive, direct. Exactly. Very, very, very direct. And actually, that goes for a lot of those kinds of words could, would, if you want, any of that, just remove it. Mm-hmm be certain in what you do and what you offer. One thing I'd love to ask this and then we'll finish
0: because it's I said we want it to be quick but um I how do you f- I find oxymorons but this isn't actually what you would call an oxymoron but I can't think of what it is. Not sometimes not that great because they don't express what you want. For example a statement like well why not go for this? Why wouldn't you mm. have this? Why couldn't you have how do you feel about a a sentence that almost starts with the negative but then leads to like you know for example like why couldn't you have a business and travel the world why can't you work two hours a day and do this like that type of statement how do you feel about I don't know what you'd call that
1: yeah I know what you mean it's quite an old school marketing tactic to be honest um it's kind of that like why can't women have it all kind of rhetoric like yeah we're kind of over that we don't really want to be super women actually we want to just do things as effectively as we can in as little time as possible thanks yeah um so like yeah they're not ambiguity yes
0: and amb- they are a bit ambiguous like it's like one minute we're saying we
1: we're questioning the negative but then
0: trying to make it positive
1: yes I don't love that the more effective way of doing whatever that is is to highlight to somebody that they could 100% get what they want without doing this programme, but they're going to hit this hurdle or it's going to take this much time. That's ethical. That is realistic. Because yeah. at the end of the day, people can get to wherever they want to get without any coaching. That's totally, they totally could. It might take 20 years.
0: Yeah, yeah. So actually more point out the obvious, a bit like what we said, the decisive mm. directness, point yeah. out the elephant in the room rather than try and create a beat around the bush statement.
1: Yeah, like, yes, you could write your own launch copy, but let's be honest, it's going to take in excess of 15 hours on top of all of the other stuff you've got to do in your business. It's probably just going to be more cost effective time-wise for you to get a copyright to do it. That is just frank to the point that you can't argue with it. It's not, I'm not being catty or clever. I'm just telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good point. Okay,
1: I love that. Thank you. Right,
0: so. Thank you. I love that. What I'm going to do is put your social socials on in the show notes Mm -hmm. and then i presume all of the things that people could access like your freebies your resources and all of those things it's all
1: on socials isn't it absolutely yeah if you go to at by the way creative on instagram which is my page specifically for coaches and service-based businesses hit the link in bio there's a 50 caption prompts and cta's freebie that you can grab straight away that's for your content (laughs) <laughs> not your copy plus a bunch of other stuff that's the easiest way to find me and if you're a copywriter come and follow me at by the way stephanie it's a new account that i'm building for copywriters so you can do what we've talked about today with sam for your clients i love that okay
0: perfect that's i always think that's the best thing because that's where people go isn't it like they stalk mm. you and then they yeah perfect
1: Thank you so much for coming on. I've loved it. Thank you for having me. This has been a really good and hopefully really, really helpful quick fire episode for people uh, where they can take away some tips and get cracking with brewing up some fire copy straight away.
0: Yes. And if you do watch this and you want to just let us know that you've watched it, let us know on socials, please. So we know that you've hung out with us.
1: Yes, please. Bye.